Hey y'all, this is Gretchen from Always a Lessons Empowering Educators podcast. I'm a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts, but make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Goins, and my special guest today is Baruti Kafele, one of the most sought-after school leadership experts in the country. A highly regarded urban educator in New Jersey for over 20 years, Principal Kafele led the turnaround of four different New Jersey urban schools, including the mighty Newark Tech which went from a low-performing school in need of improvement to national recognition as one of America's best high schools. Principal Kefele is the author of nine books, which include his national bestsellers, Closing the Attitude Gap, Motivating Black Males, The Principal 50, and The Teacher 50. His ninth book is hot off the presses, and it's called Is My School a Better School Because I Lead It? His next book, So You Want to Be a Principal? Let's Talk is already finished and will be released in 2019. To date, Principal Kefele has delivered over 2,000 conference and program keynotes, professional development workshops, parenting seminars, and student assemblies over his 32 years of public speaking. If you have an interest in making your school a better place, then this episode is for you as Principal Kefele not only offers words of encouragement, but also reflects on some powerful lessons that are sure to make you a better leader within your school. As always, be sure to share out this episode on social media with the Reimagined Schools hashtag, and you can find all of our past episodes at our website at reimaginedschools.net. Once again, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this special conversation with Baruti Kefele as we talk about closing the attitude gap and creating better schools for kids. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. I have another wonderful show for you as we bring in one of the top leadership experts, speakers, and authors in the country right now. You know him as Principal Kefele, but we're going to welcome in, if I can pronounce his first name, Baruti Kefele. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm on fire, ready to go. You are a busy guy. I've been following you on Twitter for some time. Uh, I check out your videos on your YouTube channel. Uh, and you certainly, folks, you want to follow uh, this gentleman on social media at Principal Kefele uh, and go to his website, uh, principalkefele.com, and you can find his YouTube channel and all the things that are out there. But for our listeners that may not be, be necessarily familiar with your work, uh, you taught for a while in New Jersey, uh, outstanding school leader out east. Can you just kind of walk us through your background in education? Yeah, I entered teaching um, in 1988, 30 years ago in Brooklyn, New York, as a fifth grade elementary school teacher and fell in love with it and went on. I wasn't from New York. I'm from Jersey. So went on back home to Jersey and got certification and continued to do this work. And I was in love with it. I guess about four years in, I was named the the school, the district and K 
County Teacher of the Year and then went on and was a finalist for New Jersey State Teacher of the Year. But simultaneously, I was working toward an administrative degree at leadership because I got that, that itch to lead. So went on and got that and soon after became an assistant principal and then a year after that a principal and did that for 14 years in four different schools. And uh, they tell me I did a pretty good job. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that. And that led into me doing the work I do now full time as a full time consultant, uh, focusing a lot on, on um, school leadership and um, teacher professional development as well. But and then a whole lot of speaking and presenting that type of thing. So you have a new book out that came out in October of 2018, just a month ago. The name of the book is, Is My School a Better School Because I Lead It? And I can't think of a better title. As a former superintendent, principal myself, principal myself, I can't tell you how many times I had that thought at the end of the day, am I getting the job done? Am I leading this district or this school in the right direction? So just kind of talk to us a little bit about the title of the book and, and what the goal was in writing it. Yeah, that was my question every day for myself. And when I say every day, I'm saying literally every day over those years, you know, just standing in front of the building at, at dismissal once students had left school grounds and just staring at the building and asking myself every day, is, is that school a better school because I'm here? Could someone else come in here and raise the trajectory for young people? Um, in a way that I cannot do as the leader of the school. And, and my answer mattered. So there were many days that in answering, asking that question, my answer was no. My school is not a better school because I lead it. But I knew why. And in most cases, the why was because those were days that I just did not get into classroom. Those were days that I didn't have strong interaction with students. Those were days I didn't have strong interaction with staff. I felt that as instructional leader, I must be in classrooms, uh, quality visits, being, being a facilitator for change in the school, but having my thumbprint on what happens within a classroom. So we're engaged in that, that pre-observation, post-observation discussion. I am making an impact on a teacher's professional growth so that ultimately teacher can look at me as leader and say within oneself, that I am a better teacher, I, I am proficient, I am phenomenal, whatever the case may be, because of the collegial relationship that I have with my leader, with my evaluator of record. That way I can go back to the school the next day and feel that yes, this school is a better school because I lead it. And I've heard you say on a few occasions that uh, the principalship is one of the most challenging, yet one of the most misunderstood positions uh, in any organization. And I couldn't agree more as someone that works with aspiring school leaders on a regular basis in, in higher education. I, I just don't think the general public realizes how many different directions you're pulled in that position. I mean, if you're, if you're at the grocery store at nine o'clock at night, you're still on the clock, whether you're in your office or not. And people just don't seem to understand that. That's right. The, um, and, you know, I even wonder sometimes if staff understands the magnitude of the position. And I think that they, they've got to be informed and they've got to be, we've got to position ourselves for them to see it. Because as you just said, the, just the, the multiplicity of hats that a principal could wear within, within a 30 minute block of time, it can be quite enormous. And, and as you said, we're principal outside of school hours. 
if we're on vacation somewhere, we're still principal. You don't know who you're going to see. And if I if I position myself to be to be perceived in in whatever kind of way, I got to be that person. If you see me about four thousand miles away from here, so but even within just being on that break, I still during the time I was principal, I still have the principalship, the school the staff, the students, the parents, the community, they're still on my mind. My wheels are still spinning throughout. So it's just a, it's, it's a very complex, enormous position. And I go on certain sites, uh, teacher sites, and I see all this administrative bashing on a regular basis. And I say, man, these folks just don't understand what it is to walk into these shoes and probably never will unless one day one of them actually has that opportunity to see what it's all about. You know, I remember as a school district superintendent having regular administrative team meetings to, to mentor and work with the principals in our district. And I remember having a very frank conversation with them very early on about being, it's not necessarily about being available to people, but you have to take some time for yourself. There has to be a balance there. And with technology, that phone is always there in your pocket. And there are so many ways that you can get a hold of uh, that principal now. Not, not only is it a phone call, a text message, FaceTime, social media. We even talked about a dead zone. You know, from 7 to 10 o'clock, you just need to turn it off and have some family time or you're not going to make it. Yeah, that's right. It's it's. I think about it all the time. I've been doing some seminars called Avoiding School Leadership Burnout, seminars, webinars, and, and, and writing as well. And, and, and as much as I like to call myself a workaholic, I do understand that I've, I've got to strike a balance between work and just relaxation or work and family, whatever the case may be, because you can burn out. You can wear yourself down. So even as, as busy as a school leader may be, you've got to find the balance or you're not going to bring the best you to your school, to your, to, to your folks on a daily basis. So it's critical. Another thing I, I always found interesting about the principalship or any school leadership role is um, it, it's difficult at times, and I want to get your take on this, it's difficult to get close to people on a personal level because at some point it's going to circle around and you're their boss. And yeah. if you have to deal with a situation that, that may be unpleasant, it's hard to do that if, you, you know, if you're just returning from a three-day vacation with, with that person and their family. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a positive relationship with people day in and day out in your building, but it can be a very lonely job because there is that separation there as a school leader. You know, what's your kind of advice you give people on that? Yeah, uh, a, a lot of advice. It's, it's, it's extremely lonely. And your, your closest allies, theoretically, are in other buildings. But I always talk about, I've never written about this. I've, I've only talked about it in informal settings, um, your inner circle. And the four schools I led, I always had an inner circle. But I never told those folks that they were in that circle. Because I don't, I don't, I don't want to give them that, that notion that I'm close to the principal. But I had certain people that I just leaned on, leaned on for support, leaned on to do extra, extra duties, leaned on just a variety of different things. They were my inner circle. I could go to them. I could bounce ideas off of them. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? Give it to me straight. 
If you don't think it's going to fly, let me, let, let me hear it. But I couldn't go to everybody like that. So I had these certain folks on staff at all four of the schools that I led that these were my inner circle people. These, these, were, these, these were my foot soldiers that went the extra mile for me. But what was key for me was I never told them that they were those folks. They, they may have gathered it because they saw me a little bit more than others. But, um, but I just never had that conversation because I didn't want to give the impression to staff that he's got some people that he fa- that, 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 that are his favorites. He, I, I didn't want that. So I don't think that ever happened. But I knew that these folks were very trusted. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. And, you know, one thing, I th- another thing I think we can agree on is the position uh, as principal, even assistant principal, any school leadership role can be very overwhelming at times because there's this expectation that you're supposed to have all the answers. And, And I really didn't hit my stride during my 17 years as a school leader uh, in Illinois until I finally realized I didn't have any of the answers. And I only improved once I said openly and honestly, you know what, guys, I don't know the answer to that. But if we work on it together, we'll find the answer and we'll make this a better place. Absolutely. I've got this book I just finished writing called tentatively entitled, So You Want to Be a Principal, Let's Talk. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a section that I talk about, the fact that as soon as you assume that role of principal, that title, you're going to have an entire school community that expects you to have the answer to every, every problem that arises. And, and the, the fact of the matter is you don't. But there's, this, there's also this, this internal expectation that I think some of us probably have that we feel that we have to be the smartest person in the room. And as a, as a new principal, I thought I had to be that guy. And then as, 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 as I guess the first couple of years um, elapsed, I, learned, I, I discovered that I don't have to be that person, nor do I have to give the impression that I'm that person. I have to just be comfortable within my own skin. So I began to acknowledge and recognize the fact that there were people in the building that worked for me who were much brighter, much more intelligent right than i am i mean they they just they just know more so why am i trying to be this person when i can empower them to do some of these other things that are going to just make the school that much better so instead of me having my hands in everything trying to be great at everything let me empower these other smart people such as let me give you this example a master schedule right yeah, I can do a master schedule. I can do a good job at a master schedule, but I got some mathematical thinking people in that school who can do who can create miracles with a master schedule. Why am I not utilizing their talent as opposed to me spending a summer trying to make this master schedule work? Yeah, very well said. And you know, I I don't want you and I think uh, the the same way on a lot of this because at the end of the day, we want to help Uh, current principals, aspiring principals, anyone in a leadership role. But I don't want, uh, you know, any of this to scare people off. There are some outstanding teachers out there that need to move up into those principal positions. And it's such a rewarding job. And and even though we talk about the challenges and some of the day-to-day grind, you know, when, when you see those smiles on those kids' faces in the morning, when you get those hugs and high fives, you know you're doing the right thing. That's right. You know, like my name, 
more, I think more people in the world know me as Principal Kefele than they know me as Baruti Kefele. They'll know me as Baruti Kefele solely from my book titles, from, from my book covers. So I did it that way because it's, I, I, t- I take pride in that word, principal. So those times I've ent- entertained the thought of being Superintendent Kefele, sometimes the reason I don't want to do it is because I don't want to relinquish my name, Principal Kefele, because I take pride in that position and what it entails. It's, it's the greatest job in the world. And I don't say it solely because I did it. I, I feel that it is. I think, I think it's better than being superintendent because you're in the building. You're, you're, you're in the building with the students, with the staff, as opposed to being central office folks. Superintendents can be in a building, but they can't live in the building because they got too many buildings they got to be in. Super, principal lives in the building. That's my school. My name is on the building, invisibly written. Those are my kids, Those are, that's my staff, and that school goes as I go. So as you said, now I don't want to intimidate or scare you, frighten anybody either. Take this thing and embrace it if it's meant for you because it's such a rewarding position. And sometimes the reward doesn't come until 10, 20 years later when you see that kid that you had as a third grader who's now 30 years old, 20, 30 years old, telling you that I'm the success story that I am because many years ago, you were my principal. And that's, that's awesome. And one of the things we can do is to, you know, create some principles uh, or create some building blocks that will allow, uh, you know, school leaders to have a better understanding of what their role is. You talk a lot about school culture, and I love that because as the principal, you set the tone uh, or you're one of the people that sets the tone in the day-to-day mood, as you call it, of that building. And you've talked about uh, closing the attitude gap yes, and sir. why that's so, so important in moving things forward. Yeah, that, that attitude gap, you know, we talk about the achievement gap so often, and the achievement gap is real. But I started peeling back layers, and I said, man, you know, when, when, you, when you go a little deeper, there's this thing called attitude, state of mind. And I, and I get the trials and tribulations that a lot of children bring with them to school every day. I mean, those are real. But, but at the end of the day, if I can get into that attitude, if I can tap into that attitude and get that kid believing in his or her own possibilities, believing in him or her, her, him or her herself, believing in the prospects of what learning can do for me, then we're on, we're on the right path to changing an attitude, despite what I got to go home to every day. If I can keep that kid believing in those possibilities, so therefore, I'm looking at the attitude gap, which I'm defining as the gap between those students who have the will to achieve excellence, as opposed to those who do not. So, so here you've got these kids, for whatever the reason, I'm hungry, I want it. And then you, then you got this opposite extreme of, of youngsters who maybe apathetic, don't see the correlation, and then everybody in between. So now what I want to do, I want to look at that gap and say, why is this kid hungry and this this other kid is apathetic, and how do I close that? And that becomes my focus as opposed to how do I raise math scores, how do I raise reading scores, because my initial premise is that youngster is coming into the building highly intelligent, brilliant, phenomenal, but for whatever reason, the attitude does not correlate into me putting forth that kind of effort. So that's where I'm going to focus my energy. And, and, and you know, the track, the track record is, is there. 
we were able to elevate attitudes of kids and kids began to perform and, and thereby close the achievement gap. And at the end of the day, it's all about kids. It, it, this right. is their, it's their time, and, and we're just we're there to help lead them and guide them and to make them uh, not only better educated citizens but better people. Um, one of the terms that bothers me a little bit as I hear it in public education is when we talk about at-risk students. Right. And, and I've heard you talk a lot about the difference between equality and equity. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we're doing what we need to do, we shouldn't have too many at-risk students, in my, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I, I believe you. I, I try to refrain from the, from the title, the term, you know, some, sometimes you got to use it because that's what people know. So you use that as a, as a, as a bridge to get to at promise, at potential. And I like using those much more than I use, like using at risk. But it's, as, as you said, it's, it's, it's all about that youngster and what we bring to the table. And, and, and that goes back full circle to the, to the title of the book, is my school a better school because I lead it? But then the question that correlates with that for staff is are my students at an advantage because I teach them? So I say to teacher every day, you gotta ask yourself that question daily. Are my students at an advantage? Can someone come into this school and do a better job than me? Got to go to your game film, which means your mirror, your self-reflection, your self-assessment, and ask your question, yourself that question every day. Can, are, are my students at an advantage? Is there something advantageous about me being in this class, this classroom for my students? And I think that as teachers take that question seriously and make it a part of their daily routine, I think there's a higher probability that they become that much more effective as what, at what they do as the principal does the same thing with the question geared towards the leadership. And I love that terminology about watching the game film. You know, I, I have a coaching background myself as well. I remember coaching high school basketball. If my team was five for 13 from the free throw line, what do you think we would be doing the next week in practice? We would really focus on improving our free throw percentage. But too many times in the classroom, we don't really take the time to identify what the real issue is. What is the root cause analysis? What's the problem? And if the problem is – you know, fluency or lack of understanding with vocabulary words, wouldn't you as the teacher or the coach want to make that a greater priority? That's right. Because see, even with the free throws, you don't even need, you don't even need to watch film because the data is the film. So now the data says we're not making foul shots. We're not hitting foul shots. So therefore that becomes priority. But if in the classroom or at the school level, we're not looking at that data. We're not looking at that film. We're not engaged and engrossed in that self-reflection. We're, we're, we're just going day to day without looking at, as you said, the root cause of why we're where we are. So I think that the power to effectuate the kind of change that we want to effectuate is certainly in our hand. But I always say, you know, it's such an old cliche. I say that the power is also in our attitude. So, so the, the attitude that we bring to the work, to the students, to the staff on a daily basis is what brings about the kind of change that we want to see. You certainly want to get out and get this book. The name of it again is, is my school a better school because I lead it just came out hot off the presses. I know you're getting some great feedback on the book. It's really an awesome one to punch with the book that came out in 2015. The name of that book was the principal 50 
critical leadership questions for inspiring school-wide excellence. Talk a little bit about Principle 50 and, and why that was an important book for you. Yeah, that, you know, I, I, I love that book. That's probably my favorite still. Um, I had written, I was on a flight from um, LA to Newark back in 2003 and started brainstorming. What are, what are those qualities, those characteristics, those traits that a teacher needs in order to become effective at a high level? And I came up with this long, extensive, 100 plus quality characteristics traits and consolidated it to 50. And that became what I call Principal Cafele's 50 eyes for effective teaching. That meaning everyone, it was, they were affirmations began with letter I. I said, wow, I started using this thing. So then I said, I need to do the same thing for leadership. So I came up with this extensive list for principles and consolidated it to Principal Cafele's 50 eyes for effective school leadership. And then when I decided I needed to do something with that list, I said, let me turn those affirmations into 50 questions. So add the word do before I, do I. And, um, and so made, wrote a book that was heavy on questions and light on commentary um, because I, it, it wasn't about my thoughts, really. It was about the principal or the assistant principal or the aspiring principal just looking at those questions and questioning oneself how do these questions correlate to my practice as a leader or, or if I'm aspiring who I will become as a leader went on and put it out there. And, and to my understanding, there had just been a, just a large volume of book studies on that book that just, just engaged in the questions and hence why I kept the book short, why I keep all these self-reflective question books short because they're not about this long read, they're about the, the, the person reading, whether it be the teacher 50, the, the, the principal 50, what I'm trying to write, the parent 50, folks just looking at the questions and, and, and asking oneself, what am I doing as it relates to this question? And that's the, so that's the genesis of, of, of that book. And I know you love to write and you've produced some great books. And again, you, you can find all these books on the website, principalcafele.com. Uh, you could find them on Amazon and all types of different places. Yep. Uh, as an aspiring author myself, I know for a fact, it's not easy to sit down and write a book. Right. And you sent out a tweet on November 14th. And I want to read it here just for <laughs> our listeners, because this just really blew me away. It says done in all caps, started writing my new book on 11-4 and 25,000 words later, I completed it tonight on 11-14. 10 consecutive days of around-the-clock writing. Second book I wrote in 2018, a personal record, tentatively titled, So You Want to Be a Principal, Let's Talk. Look for it in 2019. Tell me about that 10 days. You, must, yeah. you, know, you talk about professional athletes being in the zone. You must have been in a different place during those 10 days. Yeah, and, and that's what it was. It was, it was, it was that zone. Um, I, was, I had spoken – at the ASCD conference on November 3rd, and I was speaking in Mississippi November 5th. So I had a day off in Mississippi on November 4th. And I said, man, I am not going to sit here and watch football all day. I plan to write the book in the, starting December 1. I said, let me, let me just play with it today, December 4th. And on December 4th, I wrote 5,000 words. So I'm in a groove now. I can't, I can't put this thing down until December 1. I said, well, let me keep it going. Well, I had a trip to Alaska coming, and I was going to be there for three days, speak one, and just chill from the, from the flight for two days. So for those two days, I wrote 10 hours each day. 
So that knocked out another 15, another 10,000 words, 5,000 a day. So now I'm, I'm at 15,000. So now for the rest of these, those days, I just got the other 10 to write. So um, I did it in hotel rooms. I did it on planes. When I was home, I wrote the here. And next thing I knew, I was done. Since that tweet, I, I added another 1,000 just through the revise and edit. Things came up in my head and threw those in. So it's 26,000. And now ASCD has the manuscript and they'll start editing soon. Uh, that's, that's truly amazing. And you, sir, are an inspiration to all of us out there sitting in front of a blank, blank computer screen trying to, trying to put our thoughts on paper because it's not something that's easy to do. Uh, if, if, if I could just say this one thing, if there's an aspiring author that may hear this, when I had the, the notion to write that book back in August, I began, I, for all my books, I outlined them but I spend months outlining the book. So I'm, I'm going through experience, just day-to-day -day experience, and there's an idea, there's an idea. I'm having a conversation with someone like you, there's another idea. So I'm carrying this outline with me. So four months, three, four months later, this outline is extensive. All I have to do with, with subheadings. So now all I have to do when I start to write the book is fill in the blank. It's easy. The template is written and it's been written over the previous three to four months. So any aspiring author out there that may not know where to start, start with just carrying around an outline. And as you go through your day-to-day -day grind, keep your eyes and ears open and you'll be amazed by the ideas that come your way by you just being cognizant of what's going on around you. So do you prefer the writing process or do you gravitate more toward the YouTube videos and the Facebook live? I think my favorite is the writing process. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the vids. I love the lives, but it's, it's nothing like writing a book and, and completing a book. And you've been writing a blog as well. Where can we find that? Yeah, that's it. Principal Cafele writes. It's time for me to add a new one too. PrincipalCafeleWrites.com. What happens is, and let me say it again, PrincipalCafeleWrites.com. K-A-F-E-L-E. -E. What happens is um, some of the other organizations, they'll ask me to write a blog and, or an article and I'll write for them. And then I kind of get away from my own blog because I'm writing for other people. So still writing just, it's just not falling under my, my heading. Well, again, you're doing some amazing work. I'm, I'm a huge fan. And, and folks, f follow Principal Cafele on Twitter. Go to the website, uh, buy the books, read the blog. Uh, just an amazing uh, person, amazing school leader. It's been a tremendous honor to spend some time with you today. And I always close the show. There are a lot of superintendents, principals, aspiring uh, school leaders out there listening to the show, thinking about uh, entering the school leadership role. What advice do you have for those folks as they think about making that leap? Hey, as, as I always say to them, it, the, the day you decide that this, is, this seems to be something you want to do, as best you can, begin to think as that person. So in other words, you, you, if you're aspiring principal, you don't know the principalship, you, 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 but, but, but you can at least look at your principal, look at other principals that you have access to, but particularly your principal. Just watch this person move. Watch what they do. Watch the, listen, watch the decisions that they make. Watch everything they do and ask yourself, how would I have done it? Right. So, so, so for example, you may be at a staff meeting and you, you're watching your leader conduct the staff meeting. Just ask yourself. How would I have addressed various different concerns? Would I have done it differently? Would I have done it better? 
Uh, would, I, would I not address certain things? I mean, whatever the case may be, just put yourself in the shoes of your principal and question yourself as to how you would do everything that person does. And it helps to make that transition that much more seamless as, you, as, as ultimately you land that position one day. So if you think about a possible school leadership role out there, folks that are listening, you want to connect with Principal Kefele, and, and you will respond if people reach out to you and, and ask you questions on Twitter or email, and that's another great thing. Uh, you're always willing to give your time uh, and share information. Absolutely, always. Well, I, again, I can't thank you enough for being here, and I can't thank enough our loyal listeners who have continued to make the Reimagined Schools podcast a success we've now had over 10,000 downloads of this podcast so we want to continue to help superintendents principals and educators around the globe and as always folks you want to remember the one and only goal you should have each and every day in addition to helping kids is to create better schools in your school and community and with that we'll be back throughout November and in December and on to 2019 as we continue and roll on with the Reimagined Schools podcast. Thank you for listening to the Reimagined Schools podcast with Dr. Greg Goins. Be sure to continue the conversation on social media with the Reimagined Schools hashtag and subscribe to the podcast at reimaginedschools.net. You can also help support this podcast by clicking on the listener support link and making a small monthly contribution. Contact Dr. Greg Goins today to invite him to speak or present at your next education conference or professional development day. Please send inquiries to drgreggoins at gmail.com or on Twitter at drgreggoins.